when you, you stop and think about it, again, he's, Ephesians 1, 3 says that he's already blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. So therefore, when you pray, the answer's already in the book. The answer's already there. And so all I need to do, because Ephesians 2, 6 says that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. So all I need to do is find the promise. He told us in Peter 1, 4 that we had exceeding great and precious promises and that we could partake of his divine nature. Didn't he say that? That's what he said, yeah. So the promises are already in the book. So if I can find the promise and plant the promise, then I can get the harvest. I need to know what the promise is. And then he said in Psalm 116, this has got nothing to, who knows where we'll end up. But anyway, uh, uh, Psalm 116, you know, David was complaining. Have you, any of you ever complained about how tough it was and all that? But then it dawned on him, you know, I believe what I believe is what I'm going to speak. He said, I believe, and therefore I speak. And so so he realized that there was two components to his situation. Number one is believing, but number two is speaking, because speaking, you know, Mark 4 and 14 says, the sower sows the word. So every time you speak a word, the word is a seed that you're planting. And, then if, and, and, and you know, I've learned a little bit about gardening. God bless James. <laughs> Not James of the Bible, James of the New Covenant Ministries. And so he came out and planted a garden for me and showed me how to do all that. And, uh, but I learned some things. I learned if I didn't show Nancy how to water it, No, no, I stood back and turned on the tap and turned off the tap. Somebody has to, you have to have your, 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 your find your place. Right. Because you can't leave the tap on when you live on a well. You've got to make sure you turn the tap on. Anyway, I learned how to, that it's not just enough to plant a seed, that you have to water the seed. And then you've got to weed the seed. And then God gives the increase. And, you know, that's why, you know, that's why when Paul was talking over in 2 Corinthians 4.13, he said, we also believe and we also speak. It's not just enough to believe God, but we need to be sowing the seed, sowing the word. It's kind of like in Deuteronomy 30.19. You know, he said, there's two doors over there. See those two doors over there? One says blessing, and the other one says cursing. Which one are you going to go through? If you saw that written on that door, there would be no question you'd go through the blessing door, right? But yet he says in his word, I set before you this day, life and blessing, death and cursing, choose life that you may live, you and your seed. He's saying, what words are you going to speak? Because the words that you speak are choosing the door that you're going to walk through. So you want to keep cursing yourself, keep going through the curse door, and then you get in there and you get all banged up and smashed up and everything. You come staggering out and say, what did I do that for? You did No, no. Usually we would say, God, why did you allow that to happen? He said, I set before you this day. Life, Deuteronomy 30, 19, if you wonder where it is. Life and blessing is through that door. Death and cursing is through that door. And then he says, just in case you can't figure it out on that level, choose life. <laughs> choose, choose the door on the right. Huh? And you can hear this this morning, and if I come with you this afternoon, 
God help us. <laughs> well, let me tell you what I think. No, please don't. Tell me what the Word says about you. God loves you. The greatest message, the greatest thing you can ever learn in life is that God loves you and that God is not mad at you. Peter didn't know that. Peter, let's go to, to Luke chapter 22. We'll pick it up in verse um, 29. And he said, I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit at the throne. Did you find it, Luke 22? Okay, so he says, that you may eat at my table, drink at my table, eat and drink at my table, and again, in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones Look at this, sitting on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said unto, he called him Simon. Now remember in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, when um, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter identified Jesus. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed are you, uh, Simon Barjona, for Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He got a revelation. It's not the information. When you get a revelation, it's on the inside of you, and it changes the way that you think eventually. It changes the way that you act eventually because it's revealed on the inside. So he said, he said now, now because you have identified me, I'm going to identify you. You, you are Peter. In other words, you are Rocky. You're a chip off the old block. You're, you're, you're now Peter. You're not Simon Barajona. Simon Barajona is a, a reed blown, blown this way and that way in the wind. And being a son of Jonah or a great-great-grandson of Jonah was not a great credential either because we know the story of Jonah, how he, you know God told him to go one way and he took off another way. But Peter had kind of that nature too. But now here... Here, near the end, of, the end of Jesus' life, he's calling him Simon again. It's kind of like when you read your Bible and Jacob, Jacob identified, remember he wrestled with the angel all night, and, and then finally the angel said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jacob, I'm that chiseler, I'm that cheat. And then once he identified himself as that, the Lord turned around and said, you're no longer that, you're Israel, you're a prince with God. That's, that's awesome stuff. But again, it's, it's about identification. It's like Gideon. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. When he's hiding in a, in a hole in the ground, scared for his life, the Lord called him who he really was. He identified, hey, you're not what all that fear and the inferiority has put upon you. There's something greater. There's something greater Greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstance. There's something greater going on. You're not informed by this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation to show forth the praises, to demonstrate the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into this glorious light. Read Psalm 2 if you want to know what's going on in the world today. You don't need to be concerned about it. 
I'm telling you right now, there's a great backfire coming. You just need to know that God is working in your life. That the wealth of the wicked is, you know, here, here's the world out there. You've got Russia and China and the United States fighting over the economic system. But God tells me, my Bible says, that the wealth of the wicked <laughs> is laid up in store for the just. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Hallelujah. So don't be dismayed. I'm telling you right now, this is the time of rejoicing. This is the time for global glory. This is the time he said, as surely as I live. The knowledge of the glory will cover the earth just like Noah's flood covered the sea. Come on, it's there now. Global glory coming in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But anyway, he calls him Simon, Simon here. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Now, when it says desired you, you need to know this, that it includes all of you. <laughs> Satan has desired to sift all of you like wheat. No, there's three things you're really going to need to, to get through this, this next while and, and to do it victoriously. You're going to need some humility. You're going to need some faith. And you're going to need to know that you are children of destiny or that you've been destined to do something great in this last day. That you're, you, know, you weren't born 100 years ago. It might have been more peaceful. You're born right in the middle of it all. The end of the age. <laughs> it's exciting. I'm telling you right now. It's, it, it's turbulent. But again, it's like Malachi said. He said it'd be the, you know, he, he said it'd be the, well, it, somebody said the best of times in the, in, the, in the worst of times. But really what Malachi said was, it's the great and the terrible day of the Lord. It's great when you know him. So you should be feeling great. Yeah. No, no, but not listening to the media or not listening to any negative sermons. No negative preaching. Steer away from unbelief. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. If you're not encouraged, church ought to be having a shower. You know, Jesus said you're now clean through the word that I've spoken unto you, if you're listening to a preacher and you don't feel clean afterwards, you didn't get the word of God. No, you didn't. I don't care how sincere they are. They're sincerely wrong. What about the wrath of God? Well, I realize he poured it out on Jesus, my Bible says. Is there, is there judgment coming on the world? Oh, yeah, and there's judgment in the church too. But judgment in the church is awesome. He's going to correct me. <laughs> Save me from stupidness. <laughs> No, no, his correction is not condemning. His correction is, is encouragement. You know, when, when, when you identify a problem, say, hey, you, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, sir? How are we going to handle this? Because Peter's problem was, Peter had a problem. Peter was independent to start with. Peter was self-reliant also. And so when you compare the life of Peter to the life of John, Peter was confident in his love for Christ, but John was confident in Christ's love for him. And it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different thing. I mean, that's why John, that's why John, out of all of them, the guy, they even boiled him in oil. They threw him on the island of Patmos. They could not kill the man. 
And what was it? Because love never fails. He, he, knew, he knew the love of God. He, he called himself, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And I'm telling you right now, by the Spirit of God, you need to say that over you. Because when we're talking humility, we're not talking inferiority. <laughs> Got nothing to do with inferiority. Humility is allowing somebody else to do greater things than I am without being upset. <laughs> Realizing that they have a part to play and I have a part to play. Humility is receiving from somebody greater. Humility was what Peter didn't have, or he would, listen, well, let's read here. So, uh, Jesus said, he's desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are changed, when you're hurt enough to move on, when you learn enough, <laughs> when you're able, when the reward is enough that you want to, no, we're talking about change now. We're talking about change because we all want something different, but we don't want to change what we're doing. And and the Lord is saying you need to change and you need and the pain that you're experiencing is because of the requirement to change. And when the pain of change gets less than the pain of discipline where you are. The pain is real, but the pain, the pain is, is allowed because there's things that you need to change. So you can cry, Lord, please deliver me from the pain. And it's not the Lord that's doing it. He even said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. That when, when you go through the change. No, no, if you're hurting right now, you're really in a good place. No, because God wants you to do something different. And let me just say this also. He won't do for you what you can do for yourself. He'll do what you can't do. But what you can do is you can believe and you can speak. Because the truth is what you believe is what you're, what you're talking about anyway. So many people, I mean, especially over, just over this election, everybody's freaking out now thinking God left them behind and God failed. Let me just say this. That's when they were building a gallows for Mordecai. The whole country was freaking out, but God knew that the guy that was building the gallows was going to hang, get hanged there himself, hung there, hang there, whatever there, die there. Yeah. No, God has a plan, and you're the you're and you're the center of His attention. You're the center of His plan. But if you're suffering and struggling. There may be that there's something that you might, something uncomfortable. How many of you know that God does not want you comfortable? Not ever. <laughs> he wants you growing and pushing toward your destination. It's like I was looking at, uh, looking at Dominican a, a month or so ago, and I watched an hour of, a, a hotel in the Dominican Republic, the beaches and the pools and all of the restaurants and everything. I was just wanting to really go there a bit. And God says, I'll tell you when you're going on vacation. My vacation will give you rest. 
No, no. He said you need to be more concerned about your destiny than your de- than your than your identification. You need to be wrapped up in what's what I need you to do here on this planet at this hour and time than your own flesh. So anyway, he said, I prayed that your faith won't fail. And so, and when you've changed, when you when you're converted, when you learn enough, when you're able to, <laughs> when the reward is great. Like, look what, you know, again, Samuel 16, Samuel 17, the life of David. I mean, David was the eighth child. He wasn't even mentioned in the family. He could have been illegitimate. We don't know that for sure, but we suspect that he might have been. And he was looking after a few sheep out in the woods and wasn't even mentioned in the conversation with his family. So he didn't have a lot of opportunities in life. But, but, but it didn't stop him from worshiping God. He sat out there in the wilderness and he hung that harp in the tree and the wind blew over that harp and played the notes and he wrote psalms and hymns and just beautiful songs and he spent his time worshiping God in the middle of a bad circumstance. You know, you think about Joseph ending up down in Egypt. Well, he's thrown in a pit and then he's sold into slavery and he ends up in jail, but he had a dream and he held on to the dream in the middle of it all. He didn't quit the dream. He could have quit the dream. I mean, but, but the Bible says that when he was in jail, he ended up being this, the, the run in the jail for the jailer. Because wherever he was, he would just serve. And how did he end up to be second in the kingdom all over the planet? Number two guy in the whole planet? Because he allowed himself to be changed by God. He allowed himself, come on, his big mouth dug that pit that he got thrown into. You know that? No, it, you know, if, if you're in a hole, stop digging. He kept bragging about the dream, and the guys didn't like him, and they were hating him for it. And he just, and so, you know, he ends, so he dug a lot of the things that happened to us. How many of you know? A lot of the things that happened to us, we may have had a part to play in it. <laughs> Small part, but part. And so, you know, and so. And so we look at these guys, David had no opportunity, and all of a sudden, he, everybody saw a giant, but David saw an opportunity. I've got a way out of this. And so here we are with giants in our land right now. And we can complain about the giants, or you can complain about your mountain to God. You can even describe your mountain to God, but he'll tell you, you know, you speak to your mountain, you tell it to be removed, you, you cast it into the sea. We believe and we speak. He said, I'll make you into a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. You'll, you'll beat the, the mountain small and turn the hills into chaff, and the wind will come along and blow it, and the whirlwind will scatter them, and you'll rejoice in the Lord your God. He said, no, no, you're, your part and my part, your part is you believe and you speak. My part is I'll rip those, I'll, 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 those mountains will move, but it's when you believe and you speak. Because when you believe and you speak, I can work on your behalf. When you begin to trust me, the more you trust me. Nancy said earlier, his eye looks to and fro throughout the earth to look for somebody that he can show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to, you think you want deliverance from this situation, that situation? He wants it more, but he needs your participation, right? Am I ever going to get through this? Okay, so he said, after you're converted, strengthen the brethren. So, you know, your faith will be tested. (laughs) I know it would be nice if it wasn't, but it is. Verse uh, 33. 
And he said unto them, he said unto, he said unto him, Lord, now this is pride speaking. Pride looks a lot like faith, but it's not. Because, you know, and think about it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because number one, we believe that he exists. And number two, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But I like the fact that with faith, all things are possible. Mark 9.23 and Matthew, 11, or Matthew 9.29, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. There's no limit. There is no limit on you. I heard Bill Winston say this the other day, and I thought, wow, that's pretty far out there. He said, you, he said nine months from now, you could be a millionaire. Nine months from now, you can own a hotel downtown. Like, that's crazy stuff. But it's the truth. <laughs> if, if you could, what you could believe for, see, like the only, if he's already blessed us with all the spirits, the only choke point is you. Like, and, and, and again, yeah, but that's covetousness. No, no, we're not talking about covetousness. I, I just think lots of times God will get you believing for things so that you can learn how to believe him. You know, because ultimately your faith is uh, for a much bigger purpose than things. But, uh, but how necessary it is. Glory to God. So he said, he, he said unto him, I'm willing to die. Both to go to prison and to death. He said, Peter... You're not going to get through the day before you deny me three times. Because, see, pride can't see love. Can't see it. His name was Rocky, but he was identifying himself with his old fallen nature at the time. And, of course, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find different aspects of his following the Lord it says that he followed from afar off, and that'll give you a, a, an idea that he was in a backslidden state, and then it'll tell you that he warned himself by the enemy's fire, and that gives you the idea that he was hanging around <laughs> the wrong places and things like that. And, you know, it's in, in verse 54 here, it says that he followed the Lord from a distance. And, that, of course, well, let's just read from verse 54 then. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, they sat down together, and Peter sat down among them. By the way, I was there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at Caiaphas' house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was videotaping uh, where the whole event took place, right? There's the fire pit still there and all that, and the road that they, they led them up on. And um, while I was filming it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a rooster crowed. <laughs> And I, say, I heard the Lord say, you denied me a few times too. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, more than three. <laughs> Peter only did it three times. I had a much, much better record than him. <laughs> yeah, it says that Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him and said, looked at him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied it and said, woman, I don't know what you're talking about. And a little while later, another saw him and said, you're one of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of an hour after, another one confidently affirmed and said, this fellow is definitely one of them, a Galilean. And one translation says that, or one gospel says that, that, that he cursed her out. No, no, because when you start to backslide, you'd be surprised how, how far you can go, right? But now just uh, put a ribbon there and let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 15. 
I made a, a note here, and that's why I have this old Bible. I dug it out this morning. I actually came in this morning with a, a message from Luke 21, and we're now in Luke 22 because it, I'm telling you, I came in and I sat in my office, and it was panic time. I'm sitting at my desk. I can't think of a scripture verse. I mean, I can't even think of anything. I'm opening up my Bible, and it's like all confusion. <laughs> I'm thinking, dear, dear God. No, but sometimes he'll do that, and he'll laugh. No, with me. I, like he, I'm serious. He'll, he'll carry on with me. and just. I said, you had me all day yesterday working in Luke 21. And, and it's almost like I can hear, <laughs> didn't hurt you. <laughs> didn't hurt you. <laughs> no, but get, no, but get that picture of God, too. Get that, you know, he's, he surrounds you with, his glory in, in 1611 in his presence is fullness of joy. You get that picture of heaven. Get that picture of heaven. They're sitting around. You'd have thought they're all drunk. No, no. In his presence is fullness of joy. You know, we talk about casting the crowns down his feet. You know, like they're rolling around in front of the throne. <laughs> It just feels so good to be there. And he's telling you in Ephesians 2, 6 that you can be there with him now. You don't have to wait to experience heaven. You can experience heaven here on earth. He has already seated you in heavenly places in Christ. Didn't he tell you to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He said, you don't have to wait. Don't wait and be surprised when you get there. Start enjoying heaven now. How do I do it? Get out of your nut. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's true. You have to you, you stop thinking and start drinking. Now, where's the drinking section going to be in this church? Okay, find that and sit there. Don't sit in the thinking section where people are sitting there trying to figure out God. I don't understand any of this. Your pea brain not going to figure out God anyway. You might as well just get drunk. Is any man thirsty? Let him come on to me and let him drink. Don't let them think, let them drink. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, not drip. Drip. <laughs> Somebody fix that drip. It's supposed to be a river. So obviously we're not there yet. What has to happen is I have to, I don't have, I get to let go of everything that's, that's holding me back. I get to let go of everything that's holding me back. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasure forevermore. When you get into his presence, some of that religion might fall off. I say that to the people that are watching by live stream. Some of them may have, because nobody here would have to deal with that. Okay, where does that go? Yeah, and, and so, so if you want, if you take taking notes, you need to know the pride is blind to the truth. And pride is always centered on self. What about me? What about me? What about me? I'm telling you, the real freedom is when it's what about you? <laughs> like, that's the goal. Like, wow. Like, when you stop, when you get to a place where names can roll through you and you're not thinking negative thoughts about them, 
<laughs> and again, you're not responsible for how they feel about you. You're just responsible how you feel about them. And when your heart is right, it doesn't matter what other people are saying. You know your heart motive and everything, and so you can just enjoy your life. So pride is centered on self. And, but then here's, here's the main thing here. Pride is the voice of your flesh. Pride is what caused Satan, who's just a fallen angel. He's not the big deal that he's trying to make everybody think he is. Come on, 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. His works have been destroyed. The only thing he can deal with now is your thoughts. If he can get you to walk through the door of cursing with your words... But come on, Jesus said this way in Matthew 12, verse 37, only by your words will you be justified and only by your words will you be condemned. Well, if I know that, no, no, he says in Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Not life and death are in the power of God or the power of the devil. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit that it bears, whether it's good or bad. So I've got two doors every day. I've got two doors. I get two opportunities. I can walk in the word of God or I can walk in the flesh, which is pride. Now, Satan said this about himself. We don't need to go there. But in Isaiah chapter 14, he said, and he was working on an uprising. He was, he was gathering political thump. He, he was working the, the democratic system. And he was gathering angels to go with him. And then, and what he said was, I will be like the most high God. I will set my throne above the sides of the north. I will, and there's, uh, you know, he just began to talk about himself. And then, and then God spoke. And he found out who he really was. No, it's like Goliath was molting off. I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm the big warrior and all that. And nobody talked to me like that since I've been in grade three. And you're not going to get away with it either. And so he was a big bully. But after a while, his head was laid on the ground. He wasn't saying anything anymore. <laughs> he ran out of things to say. <laughs> as greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. So, so if pride is the voice of the flesh, then humility is the voice of the spirit. Again, Mark 10, 27. Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. And I heard a preacher say it on TV. I turned to his. I said, listen, what I, I, almost, I almost wrote that down. Until I realized, but he said, God's, we're not here. God's not here to serve us. We're here to serve God. And it's, doesn't that sound good? But it's not true. He said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. Now, I understand there's some things that I, I understand in, clearly and some I don't. Like Romans 8, 17 says, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. My Bible says that he's the firstborn among many brethren. So he calls my, his brother. And yet my Bible says that I'm a steward of the things that he owns. So I, I don't know how that all balances out, but I, it just sounds like a covenant deal to me. That he has a part and I have a part, and and and, uh, and when I and when I call myself a son of God, it's a small G. He's the big G. <laughs> hey, big G. Hallelujah. So pride is rooted in fear and insecurity. I know that's a fact. Matter of fact, you anger any of those emotions, you check it out. And they come from 
fear. Because there's only two forces, emotions, really, if you boil it down, energy and motion, emotion, faith, believing in God, fear, believing that anything can't go wrong, will go wrong. And so and it, it causes anger. But, and, and here's another thing about pride. It always has to be right. Because I'm so insecure that if I'm not right, I'm going to flunk. I'm, I, just, I, have to be, I just have to be right all the time. No, you don't. You can be right and not even brag about it. You can let the other person be right and, and lose the argument and be happy. You know, husbands and wives really need to know that. You, you know, you can be right or you can be happy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just easier that way. No, no, you know what the Bible says about the contentious woman. It doesn't say contentious man. It says contentious woman. It says you're better off living on the peak of a roof by yourself than in a big mansion with an angry woman. Amen to that. I said, God, you never said anything like that about a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't say, wife, love your husband, did he? <laughs> it's a tough road, but we can walk it. <laughs> yeah. No, but when I'm not right, my security is challenged. It messes with my equilibrium. That's why so many people don't grow when they go to church. You've already got your mind set on what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. And if you hear something that goes contrary to your belief system, that disturbs your peace. And now all of a sudden you just say, I got to reject that part of the word of God. Or the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. Pride always has to blame other people. And really, humility is a willingness to submit to authority. That's why Jesus said, what I do, I only do what I see my father do. And also another action for humility is to lift other people up higher than yourself and not feel threatened by that. Other people's gifts can flourish around you because you're not threatened. You know you have your own. And you know that some people's gifts are, are much mightier than, you know. But again, I look at some of the ministries that I know, Jesse DePlantis and people like that, and and uh, their ministry is so huge compared to what we do here. Uh, but I, know, I don't never, I, I, I'm so happy that they do what they do and we do what we do. I like being home at night. No, no, but there's things, but the anointing, and, and it's only the anointing. It, it, what, what we like about anybody is the, you know, the anointing that we see on people. If God mo- removed that anointing, they'd go back to who they were before they got saved, and you wouldn't like them. You wouldn't like you, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord is the in- instruction in wisdom, and before honor is humility. But again, I want to point out, humility is not inferiority. It's just, I think the best way to describe humility is you're just free to be you. And you allow other people to be free to be them. It's it's just they're operating in different gifts and different anointings and things. And 
maybe the anointing is so close to what you do that you're supposed to be partners, not threatened by the thing that's going on, right? So, so praise the Lord for that. How about uh, chapter 16, verse 8? He said, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be humble spirit and lowly than to divide the spoil of the proud. Well, the way that I look at it is you, you don't look down on yourself, but you don't look at yourself at all. I, I, I mean, you're self-interested, but you're not self-consumed. I mean, you take care of yourself and, and you, you realize you're created in the image and the likeness of God, but you're, you're, you're not in strife with anybody. How about uh, chapter, um, let's go back to chapter 13. Verse 10, it says, only by pride, and the grammarica for that is 666. <laughs> no, no, because, because this is what, see, pride is a natural thing. Because Satan lost his position because of pride. And then Adam lost his position and took on the nature of Satan. And so when he took on the nature of Satan, pride got him, right? And so then, if you know, your first birth is after Adam. So, you know, so pride, fear, they, they just come naturally. But he says, only by pride comes contention. In other words, only by pride is strife produced. Places self right, places self worth rather on being right. Has it all figured out? And the problem with that is it blocks the wisdom of God. Wisdom is what God wants you to have. Amen. Let's uh, go back to Luke 22. We'll finish up back there. Let's drop it back to verse 42. Because this is real humility. And, and let me just say this too. You, you need somebody on earth that you can submit to. And I'm not, you know, like I have a pastor. I actually have a, a few pastors that if they told me, like I, I saw, I, I remember uh, one pastor that I follow, I won't know, Rob Thompson. Rob Thompson, his pastor said to him one day, I didn't like the message you preached. He, he said, this is what he said to his pastor. He said, if you tell me to never preach again, I won't. And you'll be responsible, right? And I thought, wow, wow. And now, the, now when I read the guy's books, it's like, Phew. but he, he could have been lost to that. But I understand the principle because the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 said, I am a man under authority. And because I'm under authority, I can say to this guy, go here, go there, go the other. Because lots of times people are claiming authority, but they don't have any because they wouldn't submit to any. And the Lord will make sure that you've got somebody on earth that you'll need to submit to because, you know, you, you can say you submit to God, but only when he's asking you to do things you like. <laughs> and then, the, the, then it's, I'll get around to it. But when you've got somebody on earth that you're accountable to, and they ask you to do something, and then then you identify your problem. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, but you can quit a church. You can quit grade three and go to another grade three. You don't graduate when you leave a church. 
<laughs> You're still in grade three. There's people out there in grade three that have been in grade three for 25 years in church. And they wonder, why doesn't God ever do anything for me? Why is this? <laughs> you probably know some of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, so verse 42, this is the, the consecration prayer right here. This is not what we pray all the time. This is, this is what we pray when, when, when we're struggling with something that God wants us to do. He said, Father, if you're willing, you can remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, it's not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared an angel unto him and from heaven and strengthened him. And he being in agony, prayed the more earnestly and sweat great drops of blood fall into the ground. Well, th this is Genesis 3.19. This is the garden. He's in the garden. He's in the garden and he's sweating because, because Adam had to, to live by the sweat of his brow. And so he's undoing the curse while he's going through this very motion right here. When he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, <laughs> he said, <laughs> Any of you ever pray and fall to sleep? You know, I can watch, I can watch any movie on TV, even the Hallmark movies. It's, but, but turn on a Bible program or some preacher, and halfway through you're like, oh. am I the only one that experiences that? So, you know, because there's no opposition to even the Hallmark movies have no opposition to them. I noticed that. <laughs> Verse 46, he said, why are you still asleep? Rise up and pray, lest you enter into rest. And while, while he yet spake, they came and they took him from the garden. They took him from the garden, just like Adam was taken from the garden. Can you see how this whole thing is unfolding again? But, you know, but... Jesus was driven into the wilderness to pass all the tests that Adam failed. The last Adam passed all the tests. But it's interesting that he was led into the desert because spirits, spirits, listen to this, spirits hang out, demon spirits hang out in dry places. That's why you got to keep yourself wet. Keep yourself full of the word of God. That's why the lukewarm one got puked out of the mouth. It's like you can't afford, you can't afford, and don't hang, again, don't hang around, plain and simple, don't hang around unbelief. Yeah. If you've got people around you that are talking negative all the time, split, leave, get out of there. Yeah. Because that's a dry place and it's demonic. Yeah. Totally demonic. Things that rob your faith, don't allow your, you know, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues or the boundaries of your life. You can't sit and listen to negative talk. That's why Christians that, Christians that sit and watch the news, you know why the news is everywhere? You can go in a hospital and they'll have plastic dividers up so you can't sit there next to anybody anymore, but I guarantee you they'll have the news on. The news is everywhere because they're programming you. to. Th they, the devil wants you to think that way. And you start watching that, then you start talking that, and you start thinking that, and you wonder, why am I so miserable? If you stay in this book, you'll stay in the Word of God. <laughs> Stir yourself up with the Word of God, and find some people that are on fire for God, and get away from the other ones. It's difficult when you're a pastor to get away from the other ones, but... 
<laughs> Don't look around right now. Don't look at anybody right now. Just keep looking. <laughs> Exhort one another, the Bible says. Exhort one another. Build one another up. So they took him out of the garden. And then, you know, about Peter denying him. Let's drop down to verse 59. About the space of one hour... After one after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of the truth, this fellow is with them. He's a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at him. And when the Lord turned and looked at him, he saw love for the very first time. He did. You think he looked around condemningly? No, he'd already talked to him about it. He looked around, and when he saw that love, it melted him, and he went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. Why? Because Romans 2.4 says it's the goodness of God that will lead you to repent. It's not condemnation. It's not shame. It's knowing that he loves you still. After you blew it, he still loves you. He doesn't change his mind. He's not like you. He doesn't change his mind about people. <laughs> his love is agape love. So he turned and looked at Peter, and Peter went, wow. And he went out and he wept bitterly, and of course he repented, and you know the rest of the story. Well, let's, let's, let's close out in Peter chapter 1. But you see, John knew that the whole time. John knew the love of God all the way through. That's why he was so successful as, a, as, a, as a, an apostle. Did you know that they dipped him in boiling oil, dropped him in, cooked him, brought him out, and he said, glory to God, how are you doing today? <laughs> why? Because, because you, can't, you can't be killed when you're in the love of God. Love, when he said love never fails, it never fails. Hallelujah. Talk about an oil change. No, 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 because they couldn't kill him. Because they couldn't kill him, they locked him up on the Isle of Patmos. And I've seen pictures of the island. There's nothing there. It's just a, a big rock in the middle of the ocean. They locked him up there. And, what, and, then, and then he says... I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he writes the book of Revelation. I'm telling you, I mean, he, I mean, he lived out his life. I didn't say that he was indestructible. You know, you've got a promised length of days. But, you know, my Bible says in Psalm 16 or Psalm 91, 16, is it 16 or 11? With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation, God says you can live a long life and be satisfied. Like the guy up in Capilain, New Brunswick, that died at 107. Did I tell you that story? I can tell it again, and then we'll close. He, uh, he outlived his, his wives. He outlived his children, some of his grandchildren. And uh, every morning he would get up at 4.30 or 5 and have bacon and eggs, for those of you that want to eat healthy. <laughs> Every morning. And then he would go back to bed so that he could get up at 9 o'clock and have bacon and eggs again. So he ate it twice a day. 
And then we would go for a walk in the community. And um, one day, his fridge stopped working. And the repair guy came from down the street, said, you know, your fridge is about to die. He said, well, then join your hands and pray with me. And so the, so the fridge repair guy did, and he said, Lord, please take me before my fridge. <laughs> and a couple of days later, he died. But the only reason that he died was because he had outlived everybody that he knew. Can you imagine how many funerals you would go to if you were 100 years old? All, you're burying people out all, one after another. But, but I'm telling you, those things are available to everybody. Abraham got married again at 125. No, but I mean, the church, the church world was only promised 120 years. But I don't know too many people that are getting there. But it is available. I said, God, I'd like to live until I'm 92, and then we can renegotiate. I, I, you don't want to be drooling on yourself and still alive, right? <laughs> no, no, when you start to drool, it's time to leave. Come on. <laughs> Uh, is it First Peter? Yeah, First Peter. First Peter, chapter one. Verse four says, "We have an, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that doesn't fade away, reserved for us in heaven, who are kept now by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed." This salvation is ready to be revealed when? Would you you say that you qualify, you're living in the last days, in the last days perilous times will come and all of that? So so this salvation is not not just your, your ticket to heaven. It's a total deliverance from every evil thing. It's like, it's, it's like Acts 3.21. The heavens have received Jesus until the fullness of all things, the restoration of all things spoken by all the prophets. So you get to watch all things that have been spoken by all the prophets fulfilled in your life. So don't be fooled by any media dragging you down in the dirt right now. Pestilences and, and, and things like that, they're going to increase. But God's glory shall be seen upon you. Okay, so read this and finish. Okay. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if necessary, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. But again, if you're not rejoicing, you're not looking at the right thing. If you're not rejoicing, you're not looking at the right thing. You're looking at the circumstance. Look away from it. Verse 6, he said, wherein you greatly rejoice. Greatly rejoice, even though there's heaviness and manifold temptations. Hallelujah. No, sometimes that word heaviness, it means pangs, pangs of heaviness, pangs of conscience from bad decisions that you made. (laughs) I don't like that, Lord. But he says the trial of your faith. That's to prove what's genuine. The real you. The genuine stuff so that the other stuff can get knocked off and fall away. So that you can be complete in him. Hallelujah. It's about being complete. It's not about being destroyed. It's about, I have been crucified with Christ. 
And I no longer live, hallelujah, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So he said, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it be, this is encouraging, put this on your fridge. <laughs> so it be tried by fire. <laughs> It'll be tried by fire. What does fire do? When you're purifying gold, it brings the dross to the tops so that you can scoop it off. And in the fire, there's a fourth man. Hallelujah. It says, might be, might be, don't be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor. Come on. What you're going through, it's not about what you're going through, it's about what you're going to. What you're going to is awesome. You're going to something so great and not in heaven to the intent, come on, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. All of creation is waiting for a manifestation, Romans 8, 19 says, of the sons of God. These things are getting you ready to do some of the greatest things you've ever seen. Hallelujah. But it'll be with humility because if it was by pride, did you see what I just did? It's like the donkey that rode Jesus into town, sitting in the barn taking credit for it. Did you see them bowing down to me? <laughs> right? If he tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, this is Peter talking now, whom having not seen you love, in whom though you now see him not yet believing, look at this, you rejoice. You know, in the NFL, they have, they have a penalty for ex excessive, uh, excessive demonstration, uh, excessive joy over a, a touchdown. You can actually get a penalty for, this is not the NFL. It's okay to be excessively joyful. He said, rejoicing. No, I haven't seen that yet, but I believe, I believe in this last day that I'm going to see this. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. No, but you'll never get strong being depressed. You never get strong sitting and worrying about stuff and thinking about what you. Nobody loves me but my mother. And I think she's joking too. Nobody loves me but my mother. And I think she's jiving too. I know. I have a new blood type. It's called B positive. I get to be positive every day. Be happy. Happy is not based on circumstance. The joy of the Lord is not a natural thing. It's called the joy of the Lord for a reason. <laughs> It's his joy. How do I activate it? By faith. Oh, if I, 
If the Lord moved on me, I'd run around the church. If the Lord moved on me, I'd laugh like some of those other people who look so silly to me. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to move on you. He's waiting for you to act in faith. And then when you begin to dance here, he'll begin to change your life at home. When you begin to dance over your circumstances right now, your circumstances will be changed where he is behind the lattice work, working on your deal because you're rejoicing in him. Because you're demonstrating faith the only way you know how. You know, faith is not some big tithe or some big offering. Faith is doing what you're uncomfortable doing, knowing that you're supposed to, to activate. You, you know, come on. He said, put on the garment of praise. You know what that means? It means, you, how did you get dressed today? You had to put something on. It was an act of your will. It wasn't, my, you know, these people put this on Facebook all the time. I thank the Lord he woke me up this morning. It was probably your alarm clock. <laughs> no, it sounds so spiritual, right? <laughs> thank the Lord he woke me up this morning. I wish he had to let me sleep. <laughs> no, 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 the things we say, right? Oh, God, move on me. Son, I did. Lord, send revival. I sent it 2,000 years ago in the upper room. Revive yourself. <laughs> you don't wait for some move. I already moved. Lord, just make me happy. I heard that Mark Hankins told a funny story one time. He had this friend of his that drove a chicken truck. And, uh, you know, transporting chickens like they'd have maybe 50 or 100 chickens on a truck or maybe 1,000 sometimes. And his job was he had, to, he had to tie up the chickens by the legs before he shipped them away so that they didn't hurt themselves while they're being transported. And he, and he said he said when he got to the other end, of course, he opened up all the cages and let the chickens out, but they just lay there. And so it was his job to untie the legs and slap the chickens. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's, that, that could be done in church. <laughs> right? You don't realize you're free. And so you're there sitting there all bound up. And so the pastor should just walk by and slap you. <laughs> Time to slap some chickens. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.